This is the Daily Signal podcast for Monday, August 9th. I'm Robert Bluey. And I'm Virginia Allen. On today's show, Rob talks with Hillsdale College's Matthew Spaulding. They discuss the new Hillsdale 1776 curriculum for teaching American history, civics, and government to K-12 students. We also read your letters to the editor and share a good news story. Before we get to today's show, we want to tell you about the most popular resource on the Heritage Foundation website, the Guide to the Constitution. More than 100 scholars have contributed to create a unique line-by-line analysis of our Constitution. The guide is intended to provide a brief and accurate explanation of each clause of the Constitution as envisioned by the framers and as applied in contemporary law. There has never been a more important time to have an understanding of our founding document. So if you want to learn more about the Constitution, go ahead and visit heritage.org constitution, or you can simply search for Heritage Guide to the Constitution. Now stay tuned for today's show, coming up next. We are joined on the Daily Signal podcast today by Matthew Spaulding. He is Hillsdale College's Vice President of Washington Operations and Dean of the Van Andel Graduate School of Government, as well as an author and editor of several books, including the Heritage Foundation's Guide to the Constitution. Matt, welcome back to the Heritage Foundation, and thank you for joining the Daily Signal. It, it is great to be with you. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. Great Absolutely. Well, you just brought me a printed copy of the 1776 report. Uh, you had the privilege of serving as executive director on the President's Advisory 1776 Commission. I want you to tell us more about this. Of course, President Biden... Famously, one of his first acts was to disband this <laughs> right. commission. Uh, but walk us back to how this all began and where it's headed in the future. It, 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 it's all kind of a blur. It happened so, so fast. Um, uh, last year, uh, it, I took a leave of absence from Hillsdale College and went over to be the executive director of the 1776 commission, uh, not knowing quite what to make of that and what would, what would happen with it. But we had a, a crazy idea, which turns out to be uh, one of the reasons why I think everyone was was uh, surprised on both sides of the aisle uh, about uh, what it did, which is say, uh, I went over with the agreement that I would have the ability to actually write a report and get that report out. Uh, and so in a matter of about five or six weeks, we produced a report uh, that was supposed to be the first of perhaps several. It's a, it was a two-year commission. Uh, to advise the president about getting ready for the 250th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. I, I approached it as a, as a scholar, someone who, who wanted to write a public document advocating and, and, and putting a marker down in this discussion about what is 1776 and what does it mean. Um, we, uh, it came out on Martin Luther King Day in 2021, and two days later when the new president was inaugurated, one of his first acts within hours of being inaugurated, he abolished the commission uh, even before he abolished it, it was taken down immediately from the White House website and um, uh, erased, erased, if you will, right. uh, to which our response is, well, you can't erase our history. It's still there. So what, what, I, what I handed Rob here was a, um, a printed edition of the report. The report came out, and it's available everywhere. I think Heritage has it on their website, Hillsdale. It's, they made it into much more public document by uh, trying to erase it. It actually helped get <laughs> brought it more attention. But one of the criticisms was is it had no footnotes, therefore it wasn't a serious report. Well, of, 
you know, you know me, right? You don't you don't say that to an academic. So That's right. I actually had all my footnotes. And so uh, there's a book version, uh, Encounter book published, which includes all the footnotes to uh, mainstream historians, including, uh, but also some explanatory notes about what we meant by different passages and showing uh, various support. And I, I mentioned one of the first ones was to uh, credit a senator, Joseph Biden, uh, at the famous Bork hearings of many years ago, uh, arguing about uh, the source of his rights coming from his humanity, not necessarily being the gift of government or the Supreme Court. Uh, which was a quote to our favor. So, That's right. Uh, I, I did quote uh, the, the the incoming president of the United States. Fantastic. Well, one of the things that was happening, of course, during the time that President Trump created this commission, uh, months prior, he gave this really outstanding speech on July 4th, uh, 2020 mm-hmm. um, at Mount Rushmore. Uh, in the months that preceded that and followed that, we had this major debate um, on on issues related to our nation's founding and race and a whole host of other things uh, happening in our country. And we continue to have that mm-hmm. uh, discussion today. And so thank you for the contributions that you've offered. What ha- what is in store for the work that going forward? I know mm-hmm. that Hillsdale mm-hmm. recently had reconvened the commission and had a meeting. I right, mean, do you right. intend to continue doing this work? Well, um, uh, one thing, if I could make it just a, a little bit of a historical note, is it's important for those who are interested in the immediate things going on and, and the fights people are in at school boards and whatever uh, the, the current wherever the current debate is occurring to realize this has been going on for for some time. I, I've been working on these things for decades. Uh, my time here at the Heritage Foundation um, uh, and a lot of the writing I did when I was at Heritage were about these questions. And of course, Hillsdale has been around for a long time, and now I'm with uh, with Hillsdale College working on this. So this is this is not a new debate. This is a new form of the debate, and I would I would suggest to you that it's been radicalized in a way. Um, and it's important for us to realize that while we might think this is merely a debate about different opinions about history. Uh, what, what it really is, this is about debate between history on the one hand, good, accurate history, and we can have some disagreements here and there, but generally speaking, there's a broad consensus about that, and an ideological approach, which is the which is using history merely as a foil to fight current battles. So it's it's you know those both that, that broader perspective and the immediate perspective, I think, is is really important to uh, to keep in mind. Which that then brings me to the the Hillsdale's curriculum. Hillsdale has been involved in K through 12 education for decades. We have uh, a lot of charter schools. We 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 write the curriculum for. We have uh, professors that have been writing about these things. So it's, this is nothing new to us. And the college has been involved in this debate about what America means since its own beginning in 1844. This is really you know it's kind of civic education, history education is what it's all about. So in that sense, it's not a new thing at all. The the new immediate thing, of course, is the uh, the particular debate that, that has occurred in the country between uh, – that really was um, stimulated by the 1776 commission that was in a, then abolished in an executive order trying to sh- turn the country towards equity outcomes really engaged this broader debate about what is going on. Well, within that context about you know debate over whether 1776 is good or not – we redoubled our efforts at the college to take a part of a larger and ongoing curriculum project, which will continue, and put out for the public, which is say it's free to anybody who wants to use it, homeschoolers, schools, parents, teachers, a particular curriculum on all of civics, all K through 12, 
and American history having to do with the founding of the Civil War, again, for K through 12. So that, that portion of it is, uh, is, is readily available, and we did put that out there to contribute to this ongoing conversation about the importance of, of our own history. Well, I can tell you I am really excited about this as a parent of uh, soon-to-be seventh grader and soon-to-be fourth <laughs> grader because I see it firsthand. I, I, I'm, I take a very active role in their education, uh, have conversations with them, particularly around what they're mm-hmm. learning in, mm-hmm. in history. Of course, in, in fourth grade in Virginia, they they uh, make the trip uh, you know, to, to Jamestown and, and see some of those historical right. sites. So one of the questions I have for you is, uh, and one of the things that stood out for me, is, um, is the fact that you said that this is a curriculum created by teachers for teachers, not by some government bureaucrat or or journalist, as famously they've done with the 1619 Project. Why was it important for you to take this particular approach and make it accessible for for teachers in this way? Uh, That's a great great point. One of the um, things I've I've written about for for a long time and pointed out, but also in the commission – uh, the commission's report, I made a point of, of making this point, which is that the federal government has nothing to do with curriculum. It has no authority. Indeed, by law, it's prevented from shaping in, in curriculum. And that's that's an important thing. I mean, much of the debate we have today is centered around what the federal government is doing here, there, whatever it might be. That points us in a different direction, which is, say, downward. Uh, states are very important. They set standards, but really, it's school boards, and then it's teachers in classrooms. Right, the way the way teaching occurs is in particular classrooms with particular students. Um, and so, the only way to create curriculum, which is say real curriculum, not what I mean, people kind of bandy this word around. But when we say curriculum, we mean lesson plans and and uh, questions for students, the topics for discussion. Uh, laying it out over the course of you know, weeks and months, right? Um, that, that's a that's a curriculum. Well, that can only be done by people who actually know what they're doing. And and here, I mean, you know, uh, there are many things Hillsdale. We have opinions about everything, lots of things, but there are things we don't know about. But one thing we do know about is how to teach people. We've got a lot of experience in that. So, yes, a curriculum should be made by teachers, people who know how to teach, how to teach kids in grades K through twelve. Uh, which is also means not people in universities and, and uh, especially not in the federal government. People who know how to teach and know what they're doing uh, is really important. And, and so one of the things that this bothered me about this whole debate is it's occurring by a lot of people who don't know what they're doing, um, you know, about, by federal bureaucrats and by, you know, uh, professional advocacy groups uh, this is what con- convinced me that it, 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 we're really not having a conversation about curriculum and history per se. This is an, an, an ideological conversation, a politicized conversation using history and curriculum. Well, you know, they shouldn't be using students, K through 12 high school kids, uh, for that purpose. We, we need to get back to the good old-fashioned notion of teaching them good, accurate, honest history. That That's absolutely right. And, and for our listeners uh, – to know, I mean, the 1619 Project, which was something that was envisioned by Nicole Hannah-Jones at the New York Times, in addition to being a lengthy magazine article, 
also had a corresponding curriculum or they would send copies of the magazine to school districts right. across the country. So it is happening uh, on, the, on, on the left. We, we certainly know that. But you brought up a point um, about teaching the truth about American history. Why is that so important for our listeners uh, to understand the, the significance of that? And why do we need to reground ourselves to that point? Right, right. Good point. Um, uh, the, the, the mistake that is often made and is especially going on right now with, say, the 1619 Project or – and this occurs from other – this is not hap- – this happened before. It will continue to happen – is we tend to look at history backwards. That is, there's something we want to argue about right now and we look back in history to merely find what we're looking for. Well, that's that gives you a, 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 a jaded <laughs> but at very least inaccurate view of, of history. The best way to understand history is to try to understand it for itself. What did they think? What did they know? What were they doing? Now, I also firmly believe that history should be taught warts and all, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and there are a lot of imperfections and flaws in American history, slavery being the most important, the, the barbaric practice, uh, which was at the center of the American political debate almost really from the beginning, if not before the beginning. We should teach that too. Uh, but the accurate history of that is not to look backwards looking for evil and, and barbarism and systemic racism. The answer is to study history because what you see then are a lot of people, some who advocated slavery, and you want to, I make my, te- my students learn that too, but a lot of others who saw the, the, the bad of it, the evil of it, the, and, and uh, acted so as to live up to the principles of the Declaration of Independence and bring America over some period of time and through a civil war to, to live up to those principles. And that's a noble heritage and, and something that ought, is, is great about this country that ought to be taught to our students rather than merely throwing it all out because of uh, the flaws and perfections which are admittedly there and ought to be taught too. What is your advice or call to action for our listeners? Um, the curriculum is available on Hillsdale's website. As you said, it's free. It's meant for public school teachers, private school teachers, homeschoolers. But if you are in a setting where you don't have direct control, say uh, you're a parent of a, a public school student, how can they best go about engaging with their teacher, their child's teacher, or their, right. their school to make sure that they're using Hillsdale's Well, um, one general thing I would, I would point out, um, going back to my point about how the federal government really has nothing to do with the curriculum. It's the state level. It's the school board, it's school districts. It's local schools. Um, one thing is to remind everybody that um, this is not a lost cause by any means. I have, I have another topic of conversations is where the universities are and where they're going. But they have virtually nothing to do with this other than coming up with bad ideas. But the real conversation about curriculum is at these lower levels, and it gets more important as you move down in those lower levels, which means there are lots of opportunities for parents and people interested in their local communities uh, to get involved. So one, one call for action, people should just get involved in this these curriculum discussions um, wherever and whenever they can. And I think we're seeing that, and people should see that as a source of strength in in American society. Uh, In terms of uh, what we, Hillsdale, have to provide, uh, hillsdale.edu has, uh, you can get the curriculum there. We also have a separate website, which is k12.hillsdale.edu, which has the curriculum and a lot of other things about K through 12 education, and we're doing more and more on that. Uh, At the main website, we have a lot of online uh, videos of courses, 
most designed, uh, designed for, say, college students or good high school students. And we're going to do more of that to apply to K through 12. And, 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 and we have uh, an idea that at some point, some point soon, we want to make available to kids in high school at other colleges, perhaps the ability to get a Hillsdale uh, credits for, say, a civic education requirement. So we're going to continue doing more and more things um, where there is a resource, uh, and there are others. We'll point to other resources as well. But I think there's a there's a chink in the armor here of the left, and they're they're defensive. This 1619 stuff is not uh, convincing a lot of people. It's so over the top. It's clearly ideological. Um, I think it's uh, reviving a lot of people to the the real conversation about civics and why it's important. And there are resources out there, and Hillsdale College means to be one of those uh, resources and make it extremely easy uh, for free for, for parents and teachers to get our material. That's fantastic. And, and I must say that having worked with, with you and have, um, having worked with Hillsdale students, either in the form of interns or who've gone on to <laughs> successful careers, uh, just the, the, the quality of the work uh, that you do at Hillsdale is phenomenal. So I, I highly encourage our, our listeners to check out uh, the resources that you've, you've made available. Fantastic. I do want to ask you about uh, some of the things that you're doing here in mm. D.C. Um, you have helped lead a major expansion of what Hillsdale does in Washington, D.C. What opportunities do you provide at the D.C. campus? Uh, sure. And, and, and um, uh, so Hillsdale College, which is based in Michigan, a uh, number of years ago, you know, got a building in D.C. and wanted to expand. And um, uh, I kind of took over the role of, of building that operation. We now have a, a campus here, a growing campus. Uh, we have our own students that come back, but we also have public programs. We hold seminars. Uh, we have seminars for um, old uh, friends of the college that come back for college courses. Uh, we have public lectures. And just uh, well, it was a year and a half or so ago, we founded a graduate school back here uh, with the purpose of uh, essentially extending Hillsdale's mission, radiating its mission in the nation's capital to uh, working professionals who want to get a Hillsdale education but are also already out there uh, writing speeches, working at think tanks, working in the administration, uh, and what, whatever it might be. So um, I, I think what we're doing in Washington, D.C. Is, is it really represents a, an extension of the college mission uh, if you think of it as uh, defending religious and you know, uh, you know civic uh, and religious freedom and teaching it, uh, well, we want to teach it here because this is the nation's capital, and we want to shape public thinking about these questions. Uh, and so it's an extension of that. And and Hillsdale is unique among so many um, higher education institutions. Uh, in, in, in more ways than one. I mean, first of all, not not taking federal right. money. But can you talk uh, more broadly about how you are – the principles that guide uh, a Hillsdale education versus, right. say, another university? Right. Well, I, I would say two, two things are, are key to the Hillsdale persona, if you will. One you've mentioned, which we're you know, kind of known for, which we, we take no government money. And, and I have to tell you that that frees us from so much, not just the petty small regulations, but – the worry of, of someone always looking over your shoulder. And, and we uh, will be the first to extend the, the hand to anybody else who wants to join us in that, in that pond. We would love to have others come, come along uh, because it's, it's a great place to be. It gives you a lot of independence. Uh, 
Uh, the, the other thing that's crucially important is, is Hillsdale College is very much defined by its beginnings, its, its, its mission statement from the very beginning, uh, which defines it, defines it, how it's going to teach, who it's going to teach. Um, Hillsdale has always, it was, it was founded as an abolitionist college, which is to say we believe it is wrong to uh, consider someone's the color of their skin as, as, as their status as a student, uh, accepted women from the very beginning. Um, so it's very much driven by that original mission, which is to teach these core uh, principles of liberal education, but also it's intimately tied with the defense of civil and religious liberty in, 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 in American constitutional history. Um, and so that's all very important, and we constantly stick to our mission. So we have the independence by being free from government, uh, but we are constantly honing that original mission and teaching and doing the things we, we know how to do best as opposed to merely taking as much money we can from the government and going wherever the, the, the winds of the day teach, uh, take us. Well, we appreciate that, that principled position that you do take. Um, and I should also acknowledge your leader, the president of Hillsdale College, Larry Arn, is a member of the Heritage Foundation Board of Trustees, uh, just in the interest of full disclosure here. <laughs> but uh, Matt, one last question for yeah. you. You have devoted so much of your life to the study of history and advancing America's founding principles. You're the author of an excellent book. Uh, we still hold these truths uh, on that subject. Which, which I did while I was at Heritage which, Foundation. Which, that's right. right. I forgot to bring a copy uh, to the studio today, but I have it in my office. Yes. So. What motivates you? Uh, what first motivated you to to pursue this, uh, and uh, and what still keeps you ticking today? Right. Well, I, I, probably two things. One is first, I, I had the the you know the uh, the gift, the blessing, I suppose, of having some wonderful teachers, including one great teacher um, named Harry Jaffa, who was just this remarkable classroom teacher and, and a scholar about Abraham Lincoln, and he interested me in history, and history is very important, and, and you and you learn a lot from that. Um, and I've always been interested in those things, uh, number one. And number two, once you get interested in something like that, you, you realize you want to teach it and, and spread that. Um, and I think the other thing to, to, to remind us is that uh, – to remember is that in a, in a free country, um, uh, the, the, the teaching and education uh, and the shaping of citizens is uh, crucially important to the future. And uh, getting that right is, is important. And so you know, those things have, have motivated my, my initial studies, uh, my work, and now, and now my continuing work as I get older uh, in terms of teaching others and, and shaping that uh, because that's how we're going to recover our country in my opinion. That's fantastic. Matt, we will leave a link uh, in the show notes and on the transcript uh, for our listeners if they want to get more information about the curriculum and some of Hillsdale's other offerings. Thank you so much for being a guest on The Daily Signal. We appreciate it. Great to be with you anytime. Virginia Allen here. I want to tell you all about one of my favorite podcasts. Heritage Explains is a weekly podcast that breaks down all the policy issues we hear about in the news at a 101 level. Hosts Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher mix in news clips and music to tell a story, but also bring in heritage experts to help break down complex issues. Heritage Explains offers quick 10 to 15 minute explainers that bring you up to speed in an entertaining way. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We even put the full episode on YouTube.
Thanks for sending us your letters to the editor. Each Monday, we feature our favorites on this show. Virginia, who's up first? Gary Brown writes, Dear Daily Signal, I always learn from each item I read in the Daily Signal. That's why I appreciate the time and effort of every member of your team and why I share the fruits of your labor with friends and family. And in response to Rachel Del Judas's documentary and article, Life on a Border Ranch, Cut Water Lines, Downed Fences, Stolen Property, and Dead Bodies, Kenneth Stinson writes, Thank you for your excellent article on ranch life on the border in Arizona. This piece is the best video journalism article that we have seen. You get straight A's for this composition. Your letter can be featured on next week's show, so send us an email at letters at dailysignal.com. Never has it been more important for us to fight for America. Each day we see the penalties of progressive policies across our nation. Our elections are under assault, our economic freedom is on the decline, and our culture is turning its back on the founding principles that have made us the freest, most prosperous nation in history. That's why the Heritage Foundation developed a plan to take on the left and take back our country. The Citizen's Guide to Fight for America provides a series of heritage-recommended action items delivered on a regular basis to your inbox. Make an impact in your community and in our country. Sign up for the Citizen's Guide at heritage.org slash citizensguide and join in the fight for America today. We are once again joined by the Heritage Foundation's Bernadette Breslin, an intern in our Young Leaders program, who will tell us about a good news story today. Bernadette, over to you. As trite as it may sound, age is but a number. Irma Black, widow of the Navy's first master chief petty officer, knows this best, even at 100 years old. To properly celebrate her centennial, a naval base in Florida flew Irma on a helicopter where she circled around a ship named in memory of her late husband, Delbert Black. Delbert was the first enlisted representative to the chief of naval operations. He was also a survivor of the Pearl Harbor attack. But Delbert wasn't the only veteran spouse in his marriage. According to Fox News, Irma herself chose to enlist in the Navy during the Second World War and served as a seaman first-class storekeeper. Her service was permitted under the Women Accepted for Volunteer Emergency Service Program. In addition to getting an aerial view of the USS Delbert D. Black and an aerial tour of neighboring Jacksonville, the naval base also welcomed Irma onto the ship's chief's mess. There, she had the opportunity to get pictures with crew members after being presented with a framed photo of the crew. Having celebrated 50 years of marriage before her husband, Delbert, passed away in 2000, Irma was most grateful for her over-the-top birthday present. And as World War II veterans, we thank Delbert and Irma Black for their service. Bernadette, thanks so much for sharing that story. And we're going to leave it there for today. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on the Ricochet Audio Network. All of our shows are available at dailysignal.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And be sure to listen every weekday by adding the Daily Signal podcast as part of your Alexa flash briefing. If you like what you hear, we would really appreciate a review and a five-star rating. It means a lot to us and helps us spread the word to even more listeners. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Daily Signal and Facebook.com slash The Daily Signal News. Have a great week.
The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Rob Bluey and Virginia Allen. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.